Welcome back to Vulcan Hello, the Incomparables Star Trek Discovery Flashcast. I am, as always, well, mostly, your host, Scott McKelty. I am joined by two fellow travelers. Uh, wrong show. Uh, Joe Rosensteel. Joe, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I, I heard you consider what you were going to say. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't think of anything good. <laughs> <laughs> that much is clear. Ed, as always... Jason Snell is also here. Hello, Jason. Thank you for having me, too, Scott. <laughs> Boy, with these pithy intros, <laughs> where will this podcast go? Who knows? And, and speaking of, this is we're talking about the season finale <gasps> of Star Trek Discovery. The episode is episode number 15, Will You Take My Hand? Question mark is the name of the show in which uh, Burnham and Sarek go square dancing. The old father daughter <laughs> square dancing. That, that's that's sort of, right. Will you take my hand? That's <laughs> and they do a little promenade. That's that's right. That was what Turkey I thought would show. happen. That's my yeah. Uh, that's, that's my right. head cannon. <laughs> This episode has th- several things I did not expect. Uh, we see a urinating alien. Didn't expect that. <laughs> we do. Uh, we saw. We see many bare bottoms. Did not expect mm-hmm. as many uh, butt cheeks as I saw. Uh, and I did not expect Clint Howard. <laughs> Nobody expects Clint Howard. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Uh, he's unexpected and delightful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clint Howard. Uh, but I. Uh, I guess we can talk about, we have to talk about this episode, obviously, uh, and we can continue our trend of talking about the most uh, surprising thing, which they always keep at the end, or we can go a little chronological, uh, but let's just, let's start at the end. Okay. Uh, they, they, meet, they meet the Enterprise. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Joe, you didn't seem uh, like you were a big fan of them meeting the Enterprise uh, and setting up for season two, I guess they're going to join the Enterprise crew and uh, completely screw up Star Trek canon. That's what I assume is going to happen. I uh, I don't know what they're going to do with it. <laughs> it, 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 it was such a head-scratching moment where uh, they, they chose to branch off to there, and they also chose to tease it out for a very long time. So it's like, oh, we're getting a distress call from a Federation ship, and then you see NCC-17. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, who could it be? And it's like, I, 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 it's, I, the, come it's on, the USS Congo, everybody. <laughs> Nobody see, that cares. Would have it would have been funny if it was the 1701, uh, 1702. Um, that, <laughs> that would have really thrown everybody for a loop. Yep, USS Constellation, everyone. The, the one, you, our... the ship you always wanted to see. <laughs> That's right. This is the ship. Everyone, what, you wanted to see a constellation starship, and now you've got one. I hope you're happy, nerds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so now I guess the the next, the first season of sep- the first episode of season two, I imagine we'll see Spock because we know he's in there, right, with Captain uh, Pike. Uh, I think he's still on there. Uh, Either, maybe he's not. Yeah, no, it's Captain Pike. They actually say the message is from Captain Pike, and, well, and of course, I know Captain Pike yeah, yeah, is there. Spock. I mean, Spock would have to I be. Think I think time wise, he would he would almost certainly have to be there. But it's also possible, Scott, that season two episode one of discovery will start with wow what an amazing adventure we had with the crew of the enterprise and i'm glad that you got to talk to your half brother uh, spock anyway let's keep going to vulcan that's right captain's log we just finished an exciting adventure with the enterprise Please and now related comic book and or novel that's right that's that's that may be what they're going to do but so that was the big exciting thing um so there you go. It's I there. like that all the Starship nerds, first off, will be doing the Zapruder film of the mm-hmm. of the Enterprise in that last shot. Um, yes, for, for the next nine months or year or whatever, however long it is. But also that at at least first glance, it is an attempt to build a faithful reproduction of the USS Enterprise and not a reimagining of what a constitution class starship w- should look like. Uh, <laughs> you don't think so? Um, you don't think so, Joe? I thought it was I kept waiting for it to be like like the movie Enterprise or to be like sort of smushed and all. I mean, it's not it doesn't look like it looked in the original series, but the shape it actually seems to be shaped properly. I don't know. You tell well, me I think the it, outline is it seems good. to take some cues from uh, the original series and also from the motion picture refit quote-unquote uh the nacelle pylons have the flaring instead of being straight lines and for some reason there's a gap in the middle of it uh but 
whatever. It's probably see, for uh, aerodynamics. See, Scott, what I said about how uh, Starship <laughs> nerds are going to be picking it apart for the next nine months? I rest my case. Yes. Yeah. Goodness. Well, Two points I, to say. I, I can't wait for the Hallmark ornament, but uh, the... <laughs> The weird thing about that choice, I guess, is like, well, what does that mean in terms of the decision making behind the choices that they have made for for how that should be? And I don't really particularly care that it's different. I'm not going to argue like it needs to look identical to the 1960s series because that would be jarring, to say the least, after watching uh, the aesthetics of this show, and then they just beam over to the other ship. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, some some MDF corridors. Yeah, uh, and, with some... and, and Burnham goes, wow, so modern. <laughs> <laughs> when do we, we get those so cool much tastefully done? <laughs> we got all these lens flares, it's dark in parts of it, there's no darkness anywhere on this ship, it's all <laughs> brightly lit and colorful! Yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And why are you eating blocks? We have food on the Discovery. <laughs> well, I'm tired of stupid food. Give me some of them food blocks. I want those. <laughs> yep. I don't know. And the and the uniforms is always the thing that people obsess about with the uniforms and the original uh, cage uniforms. And I don't know. I, I I I'm not sure. I think it's really funny that they went there. It's almost like a dare. Like, yep, we did that. <laughs> yeah, we did. But now it's like, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? And indeed, it could it could just be. Captain's log. Start date 8123.5. It has been six months since we saved Captain Pike. <laughs> and now we're on a on a shakedown cruise with our new captain. Me, because I said Captain's log earlier. Yeah. Anyway, well, I don't know. It, but it, it, I think it kind of goes uh that that theory of, it, of them just skipping over it uh kind of goes hand in hand with how this episode was structured um, because there, there were some details that i feel like they also skipped over yeah. Ooh, hot take yeah, from Joe. yeah. Well, let's go let's get into it because this episode basically it just needs to tie up some loose ends i.e the whole war <laughs> uh the, the spore drive uh is burnham going to be back in starfleet uh what happens to george you know just minor details that need to get tied up threads uh and they do it in in very quickly uh and one of my friends uh messaged me and said that he thought it was too quick that everything was resolved very too quickly but uh, uh i feel like they this is the last episode they had and they needed to do a bunch of stuff but uh so let's talk about the 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 klingon war resolution and then we can talk about kind of i guess there's like a little little section with everybody happy on earth again uh oh by the way they win the yeah war. it's all fine uh, <laughs> i guess it's a stalemate do they really win i don't know who knows it's over though that's that's the thing at the end that we find out hey, uh, hey so- scott it's not over until the organians say it's over which they do <laughs> in about 10 years that's right. That is true. Uh, well done there. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we, we go to, to Kronos. They spell it correctly. So two points to them. Uh, and, uh, they go to, uh, well, actually they don't get to Kronos. They need to first Georgiou as supposedly has this information that nobody else has. That is basically there's a big cave in the middle of Kronos. Uh, and that's where her, her knowledge ends. And then she has to beat up some Klingons to find out some more information, uh, which I found puzzling. Uh, and so there's a scene with her and Laurel. She's punching Laurel a bunch, uh, uh, which I thought, whatever, but Laurel's not going to tell you anything. And then, you know, Burnham is watching horrified. And then she's like, Oh, wait, we have another Klingon that we can ask <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who might just tell us without all the beating up. Uh, so let's go talk to him. <laughs> And they do, yeah. which I think I like the scene a lot with Georgiou and uh, Burnham and uh, Ash, where Georgiou is basically talking as if Ash is not there, referring to him as an it. And, uh, you know, I-, I like that scene a lot. Yeah, at first well, I was like, are they watching a hologram of Ash? What's going on? <laughs> I, I had that moment, too, because he was not reacting. He was very, no. uh, very focused on his not, uh, not tying, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which we found out, you know, a little character trait about him is apparently he likes to tie knots so there you go <laughs> i thought that was very interesting not <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. oh no i actually did think that was interesting can i can we back up for a second and can i ask about the no is, is georgiou trying well not too bad we're gonna do it anyway is georgiou trying to 
does she just not care about this whole thing that she's supposed to not be the emperor but instead be the magically alive Georgiou? Because like when you're the captain of a, a starship and you've got people on board who were on the Shenzhou and know who you are and you say, don't call it the Klingon homeworld. They're they're animals. <laughs> we just call it Kronos uh, and shut up. And, and I'm sitting there thinking... Nobody is going to believe that you are Giorgio at all. Like, why? Why are you even trying? And then you've got you've got Saru and Burnham who are like, oh, she's really bad, and it's like, yeah, I know she's really bad, and it's like, <laughs> what is what is? How, like, are you trying to expose me? Uh, don't do that again, or I'll kill you, or I'll throw you in the brig, or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's just like you exposed yourself. This is not. It was not. I felt their finest moment because I felt like. Either you need to see the Emperor, like, struggling to keep it together and pretend to be a, uh, a Starfleet captain, or you need to see her say ridiculous things and have the crew be, like, horrified, and they didn't, you know, they didn't do that. They just had her say ridiculous things, and everybody's like, <laughs> which seems wrong to me, so. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I, I agree, because uh, at the end of the last episode, uh, they introduce her in the uniform with the hair, and she's calling everybody the correct names and stuff and it's a big dramatic reveal of how they're gonna go into this how she's going to pretend to be the captain and she blows it in like seconds she does not (laughs) she's not even trying like not even she doesn't care no i don't think so I did, I did like the parallelism sometimes okay this is going to be my overarching thing about this whole episode which is it does definitely feel like they they, they knew where they wanted this season to go and they, they had a lot of parallels and a lot of themes that they wanted to call back to and I get that and, and it does feel like these last two episodes have been kind of engineered in ways that don't necessarily make sense in order to get the results that they want but I will say I admire the fact that this episode like the first episode begins essentially with Burnham and Georgiou having a walk and talk. And I think I, I really liked how they did that, that, that it's like, yes, this is just like, except of course this Georgiou is evil, but it's like the same, it's the calling right back to episode one and episode 15. I liked that at least about it because they definitely, it, it's very clear that they wrote down like, this is what's going to happen here. And then tried to write the season to get there. Yes, I agree. Uh, and I do, I do like, uh, that it doesn't really seem to go very far, but Saru and George, uh, Burnham being like, you know, she's, we thought maybe we'd give the evil emperor a chance, uh, and maybe she'd be nice, but it turns out mm-hmm. she's still evil. So maybe we mm-hmm. should think twice about what she's going which, to do, which led it's probably to, not going to be good, which led to the, maybe my favorite scene in the episode, which is when, uh, they call Tilly in. <laughs> and, and Tilly's Tilly's like, so you're you're not. Oh, <laughs> she's like, oh, I oh, I see now. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That yes, was a great Tilly. moment. Tilly, uh, Tilly. I, I, I love when she salutes. <laughs> she realizes it's Terran yeah. Emperor, and, uh, and and Burnham's like, no, don't do that. No, <laughs> don't, yeah. don't don't do it. Yes. No. Uh, yeah, that was that was a good scene as well. And I, I mean, Tilly, of course, is I believe my favorite character. Well, Saru <laughs> may be my favorite character. Tilly is a close second uh, because she's just fantastic, and she uh, becomes an ensign at the end of the episode. Woo-hoo! So hooray for Tilly! Uh, she just needs to wait a little more. Maybe she needs to kill more people, and she'll become captain. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a, hopefully the lesson she learned from George, who uh, who also uh, at the end gets to walk away. So. <laughs> Which seems odd, but hey, whatever. Uh, and so, yeah, they, they need to get the Kronos, right? So that they can do this mysterious plan to stop the war. Yeah. Which is clear to anyone who is not an idiot that if you have a Terran Emperor who is going, promises to solve your Klingon problem, that will involve blowing up the Klingon home. Okay, so <laughs> this is, I think, I think a problem that I have with this episode, and, and it's definitely a problem that Lauren had when uh, we were watching it, because I, I think the show failed to make the distinction between what the cover story is and what the real story is clear enough. Like, because as savvy television viewers, when you send the evil emperor with a box to Kronos where all of the things are connected, it's really hard not to just leap to the conclusion that she's going to blow up the planet. And so when there's that moment where it's like, wait, she's going to blow up the planet? As a viewer, I'm just like, 
well, yeah, wasn't, didn't you know? Like, that was the plan, that the point? right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I felt like there needed to be somehow some more separation there where there was like at least more of a plausible cover story. And it happened so fast that I missed it. And because it, it did happen, it just happened really perfunctorily. Yeah. The, and the cover and, story is, oh, we're going to map it and then send that map to Starfleet and Starfleet will blow up military well but yeah. that's the thing. Part, starfleet part will send is... all of the ships to blow things up on chronos and what lauren said is is that that much different than blowing up the planet <laughs> i said well yeah sort of but like again i just feel like you lose the impact of what otherwise might have been a really great moment of like oh no this is really terrible because we all kind of expected it to be terrible so you don't get the impact I feel like they did themselves a disservice by offloading some of that explanation to the previous episode, because mm. if you wait a week and you watch this, you don't remember that they're going to uh, map it to identify military targets and attack those. And that's sort of a distinction between blowing up military targets because you've mapped out exactly where they are versus we're going to blow up the whole entire planet is mm-hmm. big, but it's not in this episode in a coherent way. Like you're saying, like it's not uh, uh, they don't go back over it again they don't mention the difference in the plans right. that they were they were on <laughs> you've got, the, you got like the weird. cave that's con- not connected that they're jumping into and then they have to beam to somewhere else where there's another cave or something that is connected so there's this, that added kind of complexity of like i guess they're just in the cave to hide but the cover story was that weren't they in the cave to scan it's just it's Again, it's not like it's too complicated, but it happens so fast. And you're right, Joe, it, ha- it also happens over an episode break. And I, I mean, I know what is supposed to be happening there. I guess my point is more like it's it happens so quickly and is and is so perfunctory that I, I feel like they lose the potential of that dramatic moment when uh, Tilly finds that it's a bomb and goes, oh my God, it's a bomb, right? Which could have been a much better moment if I wasn't sitting there saying, well, of course it's a bomb, dummy. What did you think it was? She's the emperor of the Terran Empire. She's very bad. <laughs> she is not a nice lady. Uh, she kills. She ate uh, your uh, captain. No. That, that's a sign that you're not nice. Uh, if you're eating sentient beings, yeah, that's for right. A snack, uh, it's a no-no. Generally, yeah, a lot speaking. of captain eating in this uh, show this year. It's true because yeah. they uh, Laurel even brings up again how they they ate Georgiou. Um So that's was, nice. I was so afraid that when Burnham told her story about how the Klingons killed her parents and then they had oh, their yes. dinner, mm-hmm. that that she was going to say, and then they ate them for dinner. But she didn't. She said, "No, the like the hot dogs that we were going to have or whatever. That's what they had. So. Space mm-hmm. hot dogs. Yeah." They were blue. Um, no, but the, I, I just, I, I, I also can't get on board with the, this plan. And I do agree that it's really, uh, it, it muddies the water when you're having the discovery go into a cave, but it's not the cave they need. And it's a different cave <laughs> that they need to be in with the drone. And it's like, you, we don't need so many of these caves that aren't part of this cave plot. It's, yeah, I mean, it's weird. I, I guess it gets them to do a, a, a dramatic jump, but I kind of almost would rather, like, it's Star Trek. You could have them hide behind a moon. You could have them beam from really far away, even though you're not supposed to do that because, like, J.J. Abrams did it. So, like, let's just say, sure, you could do that, too. Uh, they didn't necessarily have to do the cave thing. I think they thought it was cool, but it, mm-hmm. it just, again, unless they're like, the cave is connected to another cave or something like that, it's just added complication in an episode that is so stuffed and moves so quickly because they need to resolve it with like 30 minutes left that Mm -hmm. it just happens. It happens too fast. Cause I, again, it's not like the pieces aren't there. Like the pieces are there and there, I can see why they, they, they could work, but I feel like the set, it just like the setup was missing, which is why I sort of describe it as them working backward from what they wanted their conclusion to be. It's like they knew what they wanted their conclusion to be, and then they had a very small amount of time to shove in everything that was needed to get them there. And this is where I think it, it suffers. Yeah. And, you know, just having competing cave things like they could have, <laughs> like you're saying, hid behind a moon or jumped into the planet's atmosphere and jumped back out like they didn't need to necessarily hang out in the cave because then the whole episode, I'm wondering, are they just sitting in this cave through the whole episode and talking to Starfleet yeah. and... Like the they, you know, Sinequa Martin Green beams back from the Orion outpost to the ship to talk to Admiral Cornwell and then go back to the temple thing. And uh, I don't know. Uh, 
Well, yeah, you know, they're hidden in that cave, so they can do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah, well, and the, spe- the specifics about the Orion em- Embassy, which um, is a fun, I mean, it's a set piece. They they built this whole kind of like weird alien set. It's like it's you're on Kronos, but you're not seeing as many Klingons because it's also the the embassy of the Orions who are are space pirates and all of that but that's also really done quickly and is kind of muddy which is like oh well here's this one ash says the orion embassy got built on it but there's totally a, a little lava hole there that we can that we can use <laughs> but like they 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 know that it's there but they don't they, and they know that the temple is where it mean. is but they don't know where the temple is and then that's kind of confusing too and again yeah i think it's because it just happens so fast and there's probably more complexity there than maybe there needed to be yeah, yes. I miss tricorders. <laughs> That's true. And they, they seem to, like, they're looking for this temple, and then they find it very quickly. Uh, which I'm like, well, why don't you just know where it is if you're going to find Like, he plays uh, Klingon Parcheesi, and they don't know where it is. And so then he says, she sees two other Klingons, and he's like, oh, they're lighting their drinks on fire, so clearly they know where it is. Let me talk to them. <laughs> uh, and I guess they just tell him, because they know where it is. Uh, and then, you know, Captain Georgiou has no problem telling it, because the Orion entertainment people uh, apparently know where it is too, yeah. which seems weird. Because <laughs> why would they know? Well, uh, I don't know. It's a temple. Maybe they all go there to to pray or something, and as or Orions or, or something like that. We <laughs> to did pray learn to a dead Klingon. Speaking God. of Klingon Parcheesi, we did learn the Klingon word for croupier. So <laughs> it's true. Congratulations, which is, everyone! Dying to know. <laughs> Uh, it's important. You need to know it in as many languages as possible. Mm-hmm. If you never know uh, when you're going to have to play Baccarat in on, on Kronos. <laughs> it's true. High stakes Baccarat is how you find out anything on Kronos. Uh, but I, I did like, so Tilly, uh, they, they go down there and I guess they find the first Orion that they see and try to sell them weapons, which I guess the, the Orion buys. I don't really understand how this Orion base works because it's a lot of open air tents and a lot of food and one lady who's buying weapons, I guess. Have, and then a strip they, club. There's space whale sticks. So you can there's get space a space whale, whale sticks. <laughs> stick. I did enjoy that. Oh, and there are some, uh, SETI Alpha 5 eels. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In a little pan, which I enjoyed. Yeah, I wrote that. This episode has more. I feel like I was wondering if this show was going to be like wall to wall references, and it hasn't been. But this episode is wall to wall references. This episode has, I think, more Star Trek references than any other episode this season, including the grilled SETI eel. Um, yeah, and the Klingon transporter that looks like the Klingon transporter from the movies. Yep, and mm-hmm, yeah. um, the mention of that that Killy helped Georgiou subjugate oh, yes. the Betazoids and wipe out Mintaka Three. So that was those mm-hmm. t- some TNG references thrown in there for fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. hooray! It's okay. The uh, Mintakans just thought it was vengeful, vengeful gods that killed them. That's right. They, <laughs> they now worship the Killy, and then they died. <laughs> Uh, we do find out Tilly has a narrow esophagus. Uh. <laughs> I, I think I, I thought so. Clint Howard, can we talk about Clint Howard for a second? Um, we have to. F- first off, Clint Howard, as a baby, was in the Corbomite Maneuver, which was the first <laughs> mm-hmm. non pilot episode of Star Trek made. So to have Clint Howard return in the last episode of this season of Discovery, it's like, welcome home, Clint Howard. It's so, so great to see him. He has like, yeah, he has like a couple of lines. He, but, um, but it leads to the hilarious fact that Tilly, he gets Tilly high and she passes out and he tries to take the thing off of her wrist, but he can't do it. Um, and then, and she wakes up and she calls Burnham and that leads to one of the most hilarious Star Trek tr- communication scenes ever where she's like, all right, I'm a little high right now, but I need to tell you what I just found out. It's great. Just everything about that I thought was hilarious. Yes, yeah, I also I, like his his explanation for why he was trying to take it. I'm Orion. <laughs> this is what I do. You're you're asleep. I'm Orion. I'm I was Orion. Orion. You got uh, a thing. I'm going to steal I, it. I liked what her reaction was. Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that sounds right for Tilly. And that's when we find the, dr- the dramatic reveal that, uh, so he got her high with, uh, volcanic ash, apparently, cause mm. I guess Klingon vol- volcanoes are, uh, psychotropic. Uh, and, um, she says, wait a second, but all the, the volcanoes are dead on this planet, so that can't be right. And he's like, oh no, they're alive. And she's like, oh no. Uh, and she opens the thing and OMG, it's a bomb. And everybody's she, watching at this point thinks, she doesn't say OMG, course, by the way. She says something 
something a little no, stronger than that, which made me laugh too. <laughs> she does Foul indeed. mouth Tilly. She that this is she's never going to make captain if she keeps swearing like that. <laughs> That's right. Star Starfleet does not like a sweary captain. No. Uh, uh, that we've got uh, they may want to be willing to blow up a planet but uh, mind your manners tilly mind your manners uh and so yeah that's the big reveal as we've already discussed kind of undercut by the fact that everybody knew that's the plan yeah. except for the very smart people who couldn't figure it out in the episode <laughs> i don't know but this is also uh, happening in this orion tent where we get we get a lot of we get a lot of green orion people um although mm-hmm. um i i appreciated that Unlike other Star Treks, especially the original Star Trek, um, there are men and women dancing here, and Giorgio yes. takes a man and a woman. My only complaint about it is that the way that it's lit, it's actually it was actually kind of hard for me to see that they were green people. Mm-hmm. They, um, they kind of wind up being uh, sort of green-gray. Yeah. Because yeah, they have so much blue light on them. And it's just, unless you have them next to a non-Orion person, you could just say that they're in the shadows. <laughs> and then, and then, and I, I agree with you, I'm a, a touch colorblind, but still, it was like, they were not as clear, and, and I, maybe that's just modern production values, but I did notice that. But I did like that they're men and women. It was, it was you know, another reference to the Orion, uh, pleasuring, you know, people and, and slavers and all of that that we've seen all the way from back from the cage. And, uh, uh, so that was that was fun to see. Also, it, it, the Orions have apparently mastered the art of the animated rub-on tattoo. So that yes. is also a thing that is. The, oh, a Klingon that was applying it to someone, so mm-hmm. maybe it's a Klingon thing. I don't know. Maybe or that Klingon works for I don't the know. Ar- that's, Orions. That seems like an Orion thing to have, like animated rub-on tattoos. Like that. That seems to be that's true. Thing. Klingons uh, tattoos uh, don't animate. They and, just cause constant pain and i like that that this is this is in fact i think maybe our nod to the uh the the sexualized nature of the terran empire that we've seen in other star treks which is which is we get the georgiou basically it's like yeah i'll take you two come on we're gonna we're gonna have uh, some pleasure and then when that's over i'm gonna hold you at gunpoint and demand information from you seems internally consistent actually that seems like uh what, what uh, terran yes. emperor would do and uh, another nice moment with Tilly when Tilly's like, no, I'm good, I don't need, and George's <laughs> yeah. like, uh, you weren't coming anyway, Tilly, let's go. <laughs> it's not for you. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and this is when, oh, oh no, uh, Tilly finds the bomb, she she tells Burnham, oh no, it's a bomb, and Burnham's like, we need to go back to Discovery and uh, give the Admiral a stern talking to, uh, and uh, the Admiral Skypes in and uh, yep. says... WTF, why are you calling me? Burnham's like, you were going to blow up the planet. And the Admiral's like, uh, duh, of course, it's war, man. Uh, they're going to blow up. Oh, I guess I, I missed the, uh, out saying that, uh, the Klingons are, uh, amassing a fleet, uh, and headed towards Earth. And in the opening, we see them very close to Earth. Uh, and so. The Admiral's like, yes, they're going to blow up Earth, so we're going to blow up Kronos before they blow up Earth. Um, and Burnham says, well, that doesn't sound very nice. And uh, there's a little corny moment, but I, it it, it uh, worked for me when she says, you know, uh, this is not who we are. We're Starfleet, and everybody stands up, and they're Starfleet, and I guess that convinces the Admiral that they should try a different plan. <laughs> so, I agree with you. I like the corny moment because I feel like this is, again, what they've been intending with the show all along, is to show that this mm-hmm. is our our crew, our bridge crew that's come together and they do believe in the ideals of Star Trek as we've seen in other shows, and they're going to make sure that Starfleet lives up to them. I think that's a really nice scene. I do miss the scene right before that where Tilly comes back with Burnham and Saru uh, like is trying to get information from Tilly and has to stop and say, are you high right now um i would have liked to have seen that anyway um i just don't understand the cornwell part of this because like Mm -hmm. it's their plan like she went along with it Sarek went along with it this was always the plan or i mean i guess the argument is that when they're all standing up on the bridge like that that cornwell really realizes that the discovery is not gonna do what she wants and so she might as well hear their plan and go along with it. But it did seem like, I mean, she just said, set this whole thing in motion last episode. <laughs> to, so to just have Burnham call her up on the, on the space Skype and say, we decided that we don't like this plan uh, for that will change the course of human history. We have another idea. It just, that, that, that part is the part I didn't buy. That Cornwell would go along with it because she just, she went, she instigated this. She, she st- set this whole thing in motion like literally in the last scene of the previous episode yeah and she also 
uh, has a lot more at stake by the end of the episode if it's discovered what her plan was to <laughs> to nuke all of these uh, to basically destroy the the entire Klingon homeworld. Um, but at the end, she's there at the the medal ceremony, uh, saying mm-hmm. people's names while uh, Sinequa Martin Green gets to say, "This is Starfleet" over and over. Um, so it's 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 very weird. It's yeah. very strange. Well, and, and, and Sarek has a line where he's like, yeah, I was a part of that too. Thanks for saving us. Yeah, bummer. Anyway, Oops. we, you know, I know we took, yeah. we took an alien dictator and basically gave her the keys to a giant bomb that was going to blow up an entire planet full of, uh, full of people, uh, you know, Klingons. And uh, she got away Oops. and is probably wreaking havoc throughout the galaxy. But, uh, you know, my bad. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> really? yeah, I felt like there should have been a little more uh, repercussions to that. Uh, but uh, maybe there will be in the next season. Who knows? Mm. Probably not, though. It seems like just... everybody was awfully happy with themselves by <laughs> the mean, end of this episode. As, fine. as much as I like, th- I, I like Burnham's moment when she says, is there going to have to be another mutiny? to stand up for Starfleet standards. It's a great moment, mm-hmm. right? It's just that I was sitting there thinking, yeah, there's yeah. going to there's going <laughs> to need to be and that you're just going to have to own it and hope that this goes well because the, the, you know, Cornwell is corrupt, but the show doesn't the show wants to have it both ways there and and so yeah. instead Cornwell's like, "Oh, your words that you could have given me and probably did last episode, now I understand them." <laughs> yeah. Now right. it makes sense. And now you you come up with this harebrained scheme to uh give the code to Laurel and she will re- reunite the Klingons ending the war so that now it makes perfect sense. So let's try that. That seems like it's a workable well, plan. Uh, which well, it, everybody I mean, it knows work, that's but. where they have to go because they need to get the Klingons in the state of affairs <laughs> that they're in in the original series. So I they're know, working it, for that, right? It mm. just doesn't make a lot of sense to, no. for someone who is in one moment willing to blow up the entire planet and then completely switch to this plan, which seems like it is not going to work, even though we all, everyone watching knows it will right. work. And the characters cannot know that. And so the yeah, Klingons not plausible. are reunited, and if they're reunited, they they all when they're reunited, they turn around and 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 don't attack Earth. And I thought. Well, I mean, I guess maybe there's a backroom deal there with Laurel, which is basically like, you will unite, you're going to threaten everybody, and you're going to make them turn around and not blow up our planet. That's the deal. Mm-hmm. And so, I guess so, but we don't actually see that. And I'm not sure the logic follows that the Klingon ships would just turn around and not go blow mm-hmm. up Earth anyway, just for fun, just because they got an order to turn around. Um, so, although I like, again, the end result, I'm not. it all happens so quickly, and I'm not sure I entirely buy it. It's like, I, I almost want... Again, I want more episodes, I suppose, in some ways, because like, I feel like we saw so much excruciating Klingon detail early in the season. Mm-hmm. And like here, I actually want to see her cut the backroom deal that makes the Klingon Empire unified again. Nope. we just She waves an <laughs> iPad at them and says, see, see, I have this thing that you can't steal or jam or override <laughs> or anything and you believe me and then they turn around and it's just it's right. it's just it seems like totally imbalanced given how much time we spent at the beginning of the season with the klingons yeah and, and we also uh we, we also suffer from uh the logic of like why would they go along with her because she is a federation bomb pad thing and then they're not going to blow up the federation or take vengeance on them mm. and she doesn't like the federation she wasn't going to tell them what cave to go in to stop their people she didn't care about any of this stuff because she was uh, totally happy to see the federation kill them all earlier so i i, I don't I, it's just it, it all well. just seems like it fits together far too easily and, and uh it, you can't buy anybody's motivation uh for what they're doing i wish they had just like you're saying more episodes but not necessarily more episodes of the season but they could have just continued the story arc into the next season there's no reason it needed to tie up by the end of it yeah dude, that's true although i'd Go ahead, I buy Laurel's uh, motivation just because she has, from the beginning, wanted to have a unified empire. So right. uh, she sees as her chance to do that, she'd, which makes sense to me. She'd rather but unify the empire and not defeat the Federation. Right. right. She would ra- she would choose that because she believes the path to greatness for the Klingon Empire is by unifying the houses. So um, Yeah, but I, she can have both of those things. Because mm, now she has well, the pad I, that has the bomb. <laughs> she, there's no leverage over her. And I don't understand why the bomb is all that powerful of a threat because it's not as if the Klingons don't have their own bombs. So they could yeah, all this, have bombs blowing up their own planets if right. they want. This is a hydro bomb, though. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, maybe maybe the Federation has better bombs than on their science vessels than the Klingons <laughs> do on their home world. I don't understand. <laughs> no. Yep, that's yeah. right. You oh. just don't understand Klingon politics, Scott. 
Sorry. I know, it's very confusing. They meet in a cave, and uh, whoever has an iPad wins, is what I've gleaned from this episode. <laughs> Accurate. Accurate. <laughs> it's the, it's, no, it's, no, like no, it's very hard cave. to hold a conversation. It's the Imperial Senate. <laughs> it's the Klingon <laughs> version of the Imperial Senate. It does look like I saw E.T. Yeah. in I, one I, of the booths. I think it's really outrageous that Lorel um, unseated the existing Chancellor, but, you know, I'm sure it'll turn out <laughs> fine. I'm sure yeah. she's going to impose some trade uh, regulations mm-hmm. that'll make everything fine. Yep. So... Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's what uh, happens when you have a, an episode where you go through the planet core. So, <laughs> oh man, it's true. Oh, I did. I also got a little feel of the core, the film, the core with the. Oh, here, we, oh. here we are in a cave in the middle of a planet. Like not a not mm-hmm. not things you want to make reference to, but there it was. No. no. So Hi, they Tony. they they stop uh, Georgiou from blowing up the planet. They give the iPad of destruction to Lorel. Lorel uses it to unify the Klingons. She also uh, Ash Tyler decides, hey, uh, Georgiou was right. I don't belong in either world Federation or Klingon, but I'm going to stay with the Klingons uh, <laughs> because so I guess I have to pick one. They could have really gone either way, right? Like literally, you don't belong in either world. Then why are you going in one, and why not the other? Yeah. But. Mm-hmm. But know. he's like, you know, I, I gotta go because Laurel has a ship coming or something. I don't know. Uh, and I've gotta leave. But first, let me give you this knot and we can have a, a kiss and, uh, I'll see you later. Uh, and so he's gone. Ash Tyler I returned guess. to his home planet. <laughs> That's right. I guess. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I guess he's not going to be in season I, two. I don't know. It felt, it felt very much like, like he's not coming back. So we are going to just have him say goodbye it seemed weird it that seemed like a bit of uh like actor contract mechanics that i was i thought i was like oh so he's we've done all this work to rehab him and make him into a human and now he's saying goodbye okay the actor wasn't you know wasn't going to come back or they want to keep their options open i don't know that was that was weird and again abrupt and i'm not sure entirely logical yeah but he can always come back um because he, sure. I mean, he didn't die or anything. Sure, uh, he could just no. be like, I changed my mind. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's there. Hey, hey, right. I don't every, belong in either world. Hey, but uh, the Federation has better lighting. Captain's log started eighty two thirty one point five. We picked up Ash <laughs> Tyler uh, just after visiting our fi- fi- uh, finishing our visit with the USS Enterprise, and are now on our way to Vulcan. <laughs> like that's all it takes. <laughs> right. A voiceover, and he's back. Maybe that's right. Uh, but before we continue talking about uh, things that happened in this episode, we should talk about our favorite beverage, tea. Tea. Yes. For the last time, I want to just point everybody at our sponsor, the New Mexico Tea Company, nmteaco.com, nmteaco.com, slash TV, T-E-E-V-E-E. And what will you get when you go there? You will get, for the for the last time this season anyway, the Mirror Mirror discount. Put in the coupon code Mirror Mirror at checkout. And you will receive a discount, and you can go to that page and find out some favorite teas ordered by incomparable hosts as well. I get the uh, I get the uh, English breakfast, I get the Irish breakfast. Very good, loose tea, good prices. Plus, you get the discount. If you drink tea, you should try out New Mexico Tea Company. And thank thanks to everybody over there for their sponsorship of this flashcast the last uh since we went to the mirror universe and even for a couple episodes where we came back and the emperor is still out there so you never know when she may pop up and drink some tea in the future that's <laughs> nmtco.com slash t-e-e-v-e-e that's right the new mexico tea company they have the loosest tea in the business yep that's right i I don't know what that means. But, I don't either uh, but it's there it's loose and uh and and then you put it in hot water and it makes tea that's there you like, go. And that's it's delicious. Best slogan. And drink it. It's how tea works. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. right. <laughs> Enjoy it. <laughs> There's jerk. no law against it. <laughs> Yet. Uh, so, well, so yeah, they finish up on, on Kronos. Everybody leaves Kronos, uh, that we care about. Um, there's still people on Kronos. Um, well, they're Klingons. Are they really people? Mm. Uh, and off we go, uh, to Paris. Gay Perry, uh, to, to the Federation, uh, chamber. I guess that's where the Federation's headquarters yeah, the, is the, in Paris. Starfleet's in San Francisco and the Federation's in Paris. Yeah. Uh, see, cause I thought they were going to San Francisco and then they flew past the Eiffel Tower and I thought, wait a second. Yeah. The Eiffel Tower is not in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> not in the 21st century. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and we get a scene of, uh, futuristic, uh, Paris where lots of stuff flying around and, uh, a lot of buildings have encroached on the Eiffel Tower. I feel like they probably wouldn't have allowed that, but 
uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, a train goes by, and then we uh, go to a plaza that, for some reason, they decided it should be raining, but it's not actually raining. People have umbrellas, but some they're taking don't. Them, taking them down. <laughs> it's very confusing. I don't know. Maybe some Hollywood thing that I don't understand. Uh, it rained the day before or something. I don't know. Toronto. But... Uh, it just confused me. I found it very confusing. Um, and, uh, there is, uh, Michael Burnham talking to, uh, what's her face? Uh, Amanda. Right? <laughs> Amanda Gray. Is that her? <laughs> Amanda Grayson? Maybe? Amanda. Sarah. Amanda. Mrs. Sarah. Mrs. Sarah. That's right. <laughs> uh, and they talk about, I don't even remember what they talk about, but they, uh, she says an Isaac for your thoughts, which I'm sure is a reference I don't get. Um, I, I don't Does get anybody it know what an no. Isaac is. They say it like three times, and I'm and like, they've done it before. And this whole idea of like she doesn't know what it is because I think Ash at some point asked what an Isaac is, and she doesn't know, and Amanda doesn't even know. They don't have yeah, pennies don't. anymore, Scott. The penny is <laughs> long gone. The penny has been outlawed, so they must use mm-hmm. Isaacs instead as a dark time for humanity. Uh, and uh, they talk about, uh, I, I don't remember what they talk about, but uh, it, maybe it's me, one of you Thank does. you for not giving up on me, or, or thank, oh, thank yes. you for being for you know telling me that I need to remember my humanity. Now I understand what you mean by that. Yes. And then it's like, oh, look, Sarek's here. I'm going to leave. Uh, you talk to Sarek. <laughs> yeah. You only talk to one parent at a time. <laughs> That's right. Uh, if it's well, a loving household. Them. Well, no, because uh, Burnham, the last time both of her parents were in the same place, Klingons killed them. Oh, so yeah. now Burnham has a, a procedure where she only uh, will talk to one parent at a time. You're right. The other parent is with the Secretary of Agriculture. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Just in case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but little does she know, the Secretary of Agriculture, secret Klingon. <gasps> Uh, and Sarek's like, hey, so, um, we're cool, right? I was gonna blow up a planet, but, um, the headline here is, your record's cleared, and, uh, <laughs> you're, you're <laughs> back in the Starfleet. You've been pardoned by the President of the Federation. I Who? worked that out for you. Let's not yeah, say anything more about get the to put this pin on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Let's, I uh, will just stick this pin on, which just, uh, fixes itself somehow. I don't know. Maybe the uniforms it's future. have a magnetized thing or something. Yeah, it's future know. technology, Scott. Don't, don't worry about it. It's, it's I, I spent a lot of time thinking about how that stayed on. Uh, probably too much time, because I'm a grown man who shouldn't be thinking about such mm. things. Uh, but she's got her, her little co- her com badge. I guess it's not a com badge. She's got her badge, and she's happy. Uh, and then they go into what is the weirdest ceremony I have seen in a Star Trek <laughs> series. I don't really understand what's going on. There's a lot of weird there ones, is, too. There are a lot of weird Star because it starts with, I assume, the beginning of the episode starts with a Burnham kind of doing a voiceover, which I assume is what she's, her speech is at this thing. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, yeah. But then she's giving a speech. She has her back to a lot of people. She's giving her speech to her crewmates and some admirals. Yeah. Uh, and then Admiral Cornwell starts talking. And as Joe has already said, Burnham then kind of speaks when she, after every time she says a crew member's voice, Burnham says something. It's very strange. Well, I, I think it's, understand. I think the idea there is that she gave this speech and they're just sort of like, they're, they're intercutting it in a more artistic sort of way that, that her, she, we're seeing her speech rather than hearing her voiceover. But that's what uh, it is, is that, is I that, they're they're intercutting it and that they're out of sequence there and uh, i thought that was fine i i it really brought to mind the scene at the end of the um jj abrams star trek movie where they apologize mm-hmm. to kirk for you know throwing him out for cheating or whatever <laughs> and mm-hmm. pike is in his chair and all of that it, it it looked it looked a lot like that i think intentionally it did. and and was about as weird as as that i will say it's great they throw you out of starfleet in a uh, smoke-filled room with silhouettes um but in when they let you back in big party big party yeah. everybody their windows everybody's there yeah. uh the genocidal admiral gets to hand out medals uh-huh. everybody loves it <laughs> I, I miss admiral tyler perry though but uh <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting tradition <laughs> <laughs> and everybody gets a medal. It's much like uh, that Star Wars scene where everybody gets a medal. <laughs> that's right, except uh, Chewbacca. Except for Chewbacca. <laughs> but <laughs> Saru one, gets a medal, so that that is good. Saru does get a medal, but then the, the secondary characters don't get their names said. They get medals, right. but they don't get acknowledged. <laughs> I, 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 have, I don't know how you guys feel, but I, I have been waiting this whole season for uh the, the robot lady to have like dialogue <laughs> mm-hmm. 
and it didn't happen. Uh, I don't understand. Well, I thought it. she said something. She, a couple of she said a couple of things, but nothing I mean, of like consequence. Very little. <laughs> she has a name, and uh, so I suspect that we will. You know, they'll bring her along, and and we'll learn more about her in the future. She has a medal now, but I did. I just did discover that she has a name. She's like Ensign. Ariel or something like that. She's got a and 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 also actually I because I, I looked it up because I was curious about that character. There are like in September they said that she was a an alien, and in October they said she was a cyborg. And like it's it's clear that they <laughs> have both? they have no idea an alien <laughs> cyborg. I know um, it's unclear what that character is and what she's doing. Uh, but I I guess that's all for next season. We can we can just write our own fan fiction in the meantime oh, about, about i, I just hope she is. eats her metal she, because wouldn't, there it's a like wouldn't a that fire. be cannibalism <laughs> oh she's a metal cyborg that's that's true so everybody gets a medal everybody's great now my biggest problem with this episode is uh they're like okay we need to go to vulcan and sarah is like oh your mother's staying in paris women right uh let's go to vulcan <laughs> and um <laughs> off they go to vulcan and why are they going to vulcan to pick up their new captain and i was like what the heck saru should be captain yeah yeah, I, I, I mean, agree. I completely agree. He he uh, definitely performed up to the level of any Federation officer in that role. Uh, and also, now that we have uh, uh, Burnham as the science officer, what is Saru going to do as the number one <laughs> afterwards? Well, isn't that exactly the opposite of what they were on the Shenzhou? I think he was the he was the third in command science officer and she was the second in command. So it's 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 a little bit flipped but i don't know there's a question about whether they have any real intention of bringing on a new captain or not right. they could who knows and then it could be the first episode of season two is oh saru's captain uh the other captain died in route <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh they get to they get to vulcan and he's like oh the captain was here all along it's you saru i just needed a ride bye <laughs> <That's right. laughs> ah, the old vulcan goodbye <laughs> <laughs> It's it's called lying. That's what the Vulcan goodbye is. Uh, yeah, and so it was just weird. I it it upset me, but hopefully uh, in season two we will see Captain Saru because he's a lovely character. Mm-hmm. Um, unless they're gonna do like every season a new captain, it's like stunt casting. New captain we'll for get them some, too. Yeah, famous captain will join, and it'll be like Captain. Uh, uh, I can't even think of any famous people was <laughs> a problem, but <laughs> it is. Know. Yeah, Ted Danson. <laughs> nope, he's got a he's got a part. The um, oh, it's Arium, by the way, is the name of the robot lady, um, and hopefully we will get to to know more about her. I don't know. I mean, it sort of feels like I always expected that they would make Burnham the captain by the end of the. But you know, you can't take somebody from being a mutineer and then just immediately reinstate them and promote them, right? Like that seems like a bridge well, too far. Yeah, that's what they, they only did, did Kirk, that for though, Kirk, isn't it? For Captain yeah. Kirk, I was going to say. They, then again, Captain Kirk, that's exactly what they do. It's just like, hey, you, you were you suspended and then uh, you know stowed away on the Enterprise, <laughs> but you're great. You're captain now. Congratulations. <laughs> Speaking of weird Federation ceremonies, yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, they already have the ceremony on the books, so they yeah. could. Uh, Although I guess that happens after this, but after in this, and, and, and another timeline. Yes, so it's yeah. very confusing. It is. Uh, it is. And this is when you know we've already talked about it. They get distress calls from the Enterprise. OMG, Captain Pike needs their help uh, to do something. Yes. Who knows what? Who knows what? It's priority one distress call, but you know his voice is breaking up, so we don't have to hire any actors yet. <laughs> and there's the Enterprise, and then they end with the uh, original Star Trek theme. Yes, which I liked. Um, I thought I would have liked them to have had uh, Captain Pike show up as a hologram and then make every Star Trek nerd's head explode. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, because the, Enter- the Enterprise is not equipped with such communications devices. Um, but they didn't do well, that. I was, I was wondering if they were going to go so far as to, like, show the Enterprise bridge on the view screen. Mm. 
And mm-hmm. I, I thought, like, boy, that is because like they could probably do it with clips from Star Trek from the cage or something, and it would be like super strange. And then where would they go from there? And so, of course, they didn't. Which means that if they want to have the the Pike Enterprise on the show, they can. Um, my my gut feeling is that we won't see the inside of those well lit corridors of the Enterprise, other than maybe on a view screen or in a hologram, which you wouldn't even need to see it. And then they'll like beam over. So they'll cast they'll cast a Spock or they'll cast a pike or both maybe a number one um and they'll uh those actors will beam over to discovery or something so they won't have to build these sets that look very strangely 60s oh or they could just go to uh wherever that they have that in uh, upstate new york they have the faithful reproduction of the sets of the enterprise they just filmed yeah, there. there's one in uh, I- in southern georgia that they did all the fan shows on they can just go down there, oh, so there you go. but that's the that's I not pike's enterprise I- that's the kirk's enterprise it's different oh that's true I think they just really don't care, though, about (laughs) (laughs) the faithfulness of uh, matching it visually. I think they really would just like it. All of a sudden, it just looks like a redressed version of the Shenzhou Bridge. uh, And they'd be like, here, here, welcome to the Enterprise. Uh, I I really don't think that the producers of the show uh, would would shy away. It's one thing to like be near it and just sort of be like, yeah, it's not like I mean, it's just like next generation when Scotty called up the holodeck. Right. They didn't build a new reimagined version of the TNG. Uh, mm-hmm. bridge and in, in enterprise when they got the defiant they didn't do that right they they did the retro thing um because i do think that there's like the you know would they would they do the the um star trek movies thing and just say yeah it looks like an apple store now it always looked like an apple store what are you talking about <laughs> or would they you know that, that that's a that's a step beyond maybe they'd be willing to take um but who knows maybe they maybe they don't care uh, I would be fine if they didn't care and it was a reimagined Pike's Enterprise that was a redress of the Shenzhou set. I'd be okay with that, but I, I think maybe they won't push it that far. I don't know. I, I thought they I were going to be hopping with the spore drive to some other time and place. So I was surprised that it ends up being one of those like, uh, you know, little run to Vulcan that nothing bad could ever possibly happen. And we'll totally get there and pick our new, pick up our new captain. And, uh, I wouldn't have called seeing the enterprise as the last shot, but I, it made me smile. So there's that. It made me smile as well. Oh, and I, I skipped over the spore drive is the other thing they need to, uh, wrap up with. And they did it in two lines of dialogue where it was like, it feels weird to not just jump to Vulcan. And Stamets says, well, the Federation wants to find a non biological based method of jumping. And so until they do, we're doing the old fashioned way. So there you go. I'm sure it will come into, I'm sure that suddenly they will need the spore drive at some point and perhaps there will be lessons to be learned about it, but, but not now. Like right now, let's just use the old fashioned warp drive. That's right. Because we have to meet the Enterprise on our way to Vulcan. That's right. As you do. Uh, so that's the ending of uh, the first season of Star Trek Discovery. And I'm going to make a bold statement, gentlemen, and mm. I want to hear uh, your reactions on this. But I do believe, I don't think this episode was the best in the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think that this is the best first season of a Star Trek series. Uh, period. Wow. Hmm. That's uh, what I say. Um... I am not sure I agree only because the first season of the original series is pretty amazing because there's like 80 episodes of just the one season. (laughs) It goes on forever, but there's a lot of classic, classic Star Trek episodes in a very short amount of time in that first season of the original. But certainly since the original, I would sign on with that. Like every Star Trek series starts off shaky. And uh, I, I would argue, you know, many of them improve. For, I, I'd say most of them improve from there. They don't always improve enough. But um, sorry, I, that's just my. I'm not even going to call them out. I'm not oh, going to call say, them out. Which one are you going to say? I was going to say it, and I'm not going to even <laughs> it's say a it mystery. now. But they get that, they generally get better. I think a lot of TV shows sorry, get better TNG. in the second, the second season. Well, toy TNG man. Um, this this is also shaky. I think uh, the last couple episodes have made me revise my feeling about where they were going because I felt like they kind of had a crescendo there and then they kind of ha- realized they had to wrap up their other plots. Um, but I, I will agree with you, Scott, that um, I would call this oh, season a success. It made me really excited to watch the show every week. I, I think it's be- a better show than I expected. I think it, it felt modern. It looked good. It sounded good. There are a lot of really great characters on it. 
Um, and I'm looking forward to future seasons and hopefully it will kind of continue on an upward trajectory. But, um, if we keep in mind how bad many first seasons of Star Trek shows are, I think this really stands out as being way better than that. Although not at all flawless. I think it, I think it's got a lot going for it. Joe, Joe, am I crazy? Uh, I don't think you're crazy. Uh, and <laughs> now put the knife down, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the, uh, I, I mostly agree with what Jason said. I think of its time, uh, the first season, I think when you watch it now, if you are uh, accustomed to the entertainment of this era then of our current century there, <laughs> yes there there is there is a quaintness about uh and uh, also some mm, mm. sexism and things oh you think that it, it, yeah it, just a little so it can be I, I would i would qualify that uh but yeah i i would uh say that this is overall a strong season weirdly enough i think the strongest episodes were in the middle of the season yeah. and you i i mm-hmm. uh, thought it would uh ramp up and end strong um but uh that's like jason said these last couple episodes have not uh panned out the way that i had uh envisioned um the the just the emotional direction of the show going no i'd almost Uh, i'd almost rather it have been a 13 episode season and ended with that the cliffhanger at the end of the 13th episode where she brings the emperor into uh, into onto discovery and they hop back to our universe and it turns out that you know the klingons have won the war oh no that's that felt more in some ways like a fitting end to the season and that these these other two episodes like if they had been at the start of a second season where they got a little more space to finish this story and move them on to other stories i think maybe it would have been better but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, there was no no reason we needed to tie up these story threads. Uh, like this isn't a show with a predefined, uh, you know, baddie of the season or something like that. It's right. not like Buffy. It's not like Doctor Who where we need to like find out what's in the Pandorica. Um, oh, they, they 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 could have this war go on for more than uh, the, the the amount of time we see here on screen. My only guess as to why they did it this way and also 15 episodes seems really weird and i wonder at what point they like maybe added some episodes in because again you've got your natural ending after 13 my only thing i wonder is if they very specifically had a certain number of episodes for um for uh uh oh no i'm blanking on her name for 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 giorgio for michelle yo for michelle yo yeah and that they didn't know whether they could possibly get her back for a second season and they didn't. So the, so the last thing you could do under those circumstances is have her saved in the cliffhanger. And then like, what if you can't get her back? Cause I think she actually mm-hmm. is a fairly in demand person. Um, so that, that's the only thing that gives me pause there because structurally artistically that did feel like a better stopping point and that you didn't need to jam all the rest of this in two episodes at the end. But, um, yeah, it is because I yeah I agree, Joe. The 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 the, the middle block of the this season was really great, and I'm going to think a little less of the season now because of the last two episodes being kind of you know rushed and um and and weird and fitting. Even the, the thematic resonances that I expected from this episode, I didn't get as much of. Um, in terms of you know, do you betray Giorgio again, but this time for good reasons and all that. Some of that was in there in dialogue where they can tell us about how they feel and how it's different from the last time, which is not necessarily the best approach to that. Um, but you know, I was kind of, I think they didn't even get a chance. They, they even rushed their, a lot of their thematic and emotional notes. Yeah. And, and, cause like Stamets, uh, we haven't had a chance for him to reflect on the death of, uh, Culber at all. Uh, he holds a medal <laughs> for yeah. him. Um, but, uh, in the last couple episodes, no- nothing. He has, doesn't do has materialized almost anything. For him emotionally. Super interesting character, linchpin of, of the, the season in a lot of ways. And then he has to fade into the background as they do some Klingon business the last couple episodes. Yeah. It's, it's weird, weird pacing. Klingon yeah, business. I, uh, you know, I, I wonder if some of this suffered, like you're saying, from reverse engineering where they needed the, the season to wind up and maybe the engineer that they hired to reverse engineer it, Akiva Goldsman, mm. was 
you know, he's he's been responsible for some suspect uh, tinkering yes. in the past. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Akiva Goldsman, and so seeing him get a story credit here, along with uh, Bergen Harberts, the the um, showrunners, and then he directed this episode. Um, yeah, not he Oscar winning, Oscar nominated screenwriter, but also has made a lot of really bad stuff. Um, and I do wonder also, I'll put on the pile, I do wonder if this suffers from Brian Fuller's exit, that maybe his initial conception went somewhere else. And when they got to this point, they needed to find a new landing point that wasn't quite what was anticipated originally. I wouldn't put it past him that like, right. He had a really clear idea of where he started and then he dropped out and the story starts to diverge and they make changes and maybe it suffers from that too. And so maybe with a more stable um, creative group with the, with the, the showrunners they've got and knowing who the actors are that they've got and what the characters are. I mean, that's why a second season is often way better than a first season is that you've got stability and everybody knows what you've got, what tools, you can use what characters are you can write for and how they behave and so i'm i'm optimistic about that part of it i was hoping that they would make this last episode longer because they have no need to be 44 minutes or and i think it was about 44 minutes long uh they could be as long as they want so i was thinking well they'll probably make it an hour, maybe even 90 minutes. Because it was so quiet, quiet and slow paced Mm. that I really thought that maybe that was what they were, you know, what they were doing is they were taking their time because they had an hour and they didn't. Mm -hmm. It was, it was, it was 45 minutes. And so that seemed strange. And again, maybe they're weird contractual things, but I had that thought, Joe, while I was watching this one, that we talked about that schism between last week and this week. Like, could this have just been one double length episode to as the finale you know it it had a cliffhanger so it doesn't feel like they just chopped it in half but it did like structurally like it it didn't feel quite right i don't know i don't know it's weird i'm sure there's a reason or several hundred reasons why it is the way it is (laughs) but it's just it's it's a little bit of a downer for for a show that i like and i'm looking forward to coming back and i think this was a, a, a pretty much a triumph of a season when it could have really gone horribly wrong that uh it's too bad that it ends with um kind of an anti-climax compared to what they had built up to with uh with taking them especially to the mirror universe yeah, they're they're taking the ward of the Klingons. They're going to the Klingon homeworld. Oh, they they got high in a tent and then they put a bomb in a thing, but that didn't go off. And they were in an embassy, they so left. they didn't have to deal with very many Klingons. So that was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, not that Which cave, Joe. Not that cave. That, the other cave. We got to go to the other cave. Yeah, there should there there should have been a lot more uh, Klingon uh, dialogue in this episode. That would have improved. <laughs> oh yeah, I think. oh man. <laughs> tell me, tell me some other card games and board games the Klingons <laughs> like to gamble on. I want to know. Please tell me more. Domjot. We didn't see any Domjot. I could have uh, humans play Domjot. We could have done that. That's true. Uh, so, but I, I agree. I think that this is this episode is uh, not a great ending for the first season, but I do think the first season was very good. I'm looking forward to the second season. Uh, I found the you know them meeting the Enterprise was exciting, and I knew they had to end with something that would be like, "Ooh, what's going to happen in season two? Clearly, meeting the Enterprise is a big "Ooh, what's going to happen with this?" Uh, hopefully, they do not take the the Snell maneuver and. Uh, wave it away with the captain's log but they probably will oh no Uh, no. i don't think so i think we're gonna get i think that they're gonna do something and this is their way of getting people's attention for their return is that i think they are going to do a two-part episode or something that involves the original enterprise and they'll announce here's who's gonna play uh pike and here's who's gonna play spock and here's who's gonna play number one and um and they'll use that as i mean that would be a great way to get some attention on the show when it's coming back and so i i think they will do that and they we will see some aspect of it rather than having them skip over it they i i I joke about it but i feel like they're probably committed Uh, my only question is like (laughs) who could be available like are they going to get bruce greenwood or or uh zach quinto or are they going to just recast and have another spock and another pike um it would be it'd be spots. really fun if they stunt if if they did a, a you know paid Zach Quinto enough money to have him do an episode as Spock for television, but it seems unlikely to me that they would they they would mix and match. So they're going to cast another Spock, and if they do, there's they're going to put out a press release and some photos, and you know that's part of the publicity machine to get people to pay CBS for um, you know all access next year. 
it does feel a little like a cheap stunt. Uh, so I hope it winds up being fulfilling in a story sense. Um, if, if they, 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 you know, have them there, it would be good to have the, <laughs> this go somewhere writing wise. And it's not just, Oh, please come back and pay for our monthly uh, subscription. Um, I, I, I would be disappointed if, uh, all we got was like two episodes of, uh, just, Hey, look, we cast a guy. So hmm. here you go. <laughs> I don't know. That seems to be part uh, of the PR blitz for any new show now is that you have things that you, that you plug, but, I, I guess we'll I guess we'll find out, but it would it wouldn't surprise me if that was part of the uh, that that will be part of the rollout plan is you know now when it returns you see the Enterprise with Captain Pike and it'll be very exciting and you know hopefully they've got a story reason to do it since they they put that shot in there like you would think that they put that shot in there having some idea of what they're going to do next <laughs> but maybe not maybe not <laughs> yeah I I mean. It, uh, it's Akiva Goldsman, and uh, who who knows who's going to have to pick up this torch next season, and whether or not they're going <laughs> to they're going to care. Mm-hmm. They left it vague That's... enough that anybody could do anything with it. <laughs> True. Yeah, if there's a priority one distress call, so that that could be anything. They're they're out of coffee. Uh, it's uh, Klingons have taken over. Who knows? Everybody's dead. <laughs> Spock is dead. Maybe that's what we'll find out. Oh no! And then, and then they have to, they have to use a spore drive to uh, oh, yes. yeah to undead him. <laughs> Just like in uh, Lost see? in Space and Batman and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> All That's the great right. Akiva Goldsmith productions. <laughs> the Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons. Well, there you go. I, I did not know who he was. So when you mentioned him, I Googled and saw his fine body of work. So, <laughs> And he won an that. Oscar for A Beautiful Mind. <laughs> so, you know, it's not all bad. No. Depending on how you what feel you about a beautiful, beautiful mind, mind. yeah mm-hmm. uh which uh, i watched it it was fine sure. uh so there you go uh, now you and you come to vulcan hello to find out what we think about the beautiful mind and you know i think it's fine uh i also think that jason snell and joe rosenseal are both fine so thank you both for joining me to discuss the season finale of star trek discovery scott you are a beautiful mind <laughs> <laughs> that's my vulcan goodbye Oh, thank you. Now, Joe, you you have to say something. Jason has set the bar high. Uh, I'm Orion. <laughs> I'll accept it. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. See ya. See you in uh, several months for season two. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> and listen, I think uh, next weekend the Incomparables episode will be about uh, the season of Star Trek Discovery as a whole. So people should check that out. Yeah, when it comes out, we'll talk. We'll talk about it. Yeah, some more. More. With other people. You need to hear me say exactly the same thing to, to tune in for that. <laughs> I'm going to say completely different things, so tune in for that. <laughs>